the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. 36,000. The Dow closed above 36,000 for the first time yesterday. All the major indices notched records. Investors prep for a big announcement from the Fed Day. It's Fed Day. Dun, dun, dun. Will there be a smoking gun? Will there be a dead lady damsel in distress? Will there be... How much how much drama can we have? Under Armour seems to be back in the right spot. They've given investors a bad sweat, so to speak. But their clothing wicks sweat from your body. It hiked its outlook, and investors are feeling good about the apparel brand's turnaround. Former private equity CEO Glenn Youngkin, a Republican-defeated Democrat, Terry McAuliffe in Virginia's closely watched gubernatorial race. Well, New Jersey's remains too close to call. I think it's pretty important to note that the Biden agenda just got a little less support. If you look at number of votes, you can see that the country is a little bit less liberal um, today than yesterday. So CNN's projected the Democratic Eric Adams will win New York City's mayoral race, and Democrat Michelle Wu will make history as Boston's next mayor. It was a big day for people with color on their skin. A lot of elections for the first time went their direction. Um, Notably, lieutenant governor of Virginia, which, mind you, Virginia had slaves. So Virginia has come a long way, but long overdue to say that an African-American woman is going to be lieutenant governor. I know you're saying that was a weird poll. <laughs> Virginia had slaves. I didn't know that. I used to live in Virginia and you can go to plantations and tour them. One of the most notable is the George Washington plantation. Um, and when you're walking around it, they're like, oh, and here's the slave quarters and here's the slave kitchens. And you're like, whoa, that wasn't that long ago. So the markets are opening a little mixed today, in large part in my belief due to it's Fed Day. Then tomorrow's going to be OPEC Day. And then Friday is going to be first time, un- uh, not first time unemployment, it's going to be jobs numbers, the jobs report. This is three big back-to-back-to-back kind of days. Um, if I was a sports center announcer, I'd go, bark, 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 bark. Um, What else do we have to hit? Facebook is shutting down its decade-old facial recognition software. The company announced yesterday as part of the change in the newly minted Meta will delete the facial scan data of more than 1 million users from its social network. The technology introduced way back in 2010 recognizes the identity of people in photos and videos and suggests that users tag them. Before that, if you recall, we had to tag people in images ourselves. Very interesting. Oh, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll try to play some audio of this, but you really, really have to go to YouTube today and take a look at the meta presentation from Mark Zuckerberg. It was a disaster in my opinion. They produced this slick video of introducing you to what virtual reality 
vision Facebook has. And if we wear headsets, it'll be at work. It will not be long time leisure in our homes. The AirPods are probably our best link to augmented reality. And the AirPods may do a little chime like, put your glasses on and you'll see something special. Um, but the metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg, and this had me peeing. I was laughing so hard yesterday watching the video. <clears throat> He's doing a presentation, you know, like Steve Jobs does a presentation. When Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, um, he did it in a cute way. He goes, well, Apple's going to introduce a new phone. Uh, a big, fat, wide iPod and an internet browsing device. And you're thinking three different devices? Cool. <clears throat> and it turned out to be all in one, and that was the iPhone. And that's what Steve Jobs did. He was a presenter. He was magical. He was a showman. Um, you could argue that Bezos is. You could argue that uh, Elon Musk is. You cannot say Mark Zuckerberg. He looks like a dork. Um, even the technology just feels wrong, and it looks wrong. At one point in time, he's like, Hey, Andrew, do you want to go uh, foil surfing? <clears throat> and Andrew's like, yeah, buddy. And then they uh, <clears throat> suddenly are in the ocean and they're on a big wave and they're foil surfing. And Cute. I get it. Um, but at one point in time, Mark Zuckerberg's avatar goes, you got to pump if you're going to jump. So I guess on foils, you have to push down and then the, it pushes you back up twice the high. And, you have to watch this video. And let me just say this. This is the problem with Mark Zuckerberg. He thinks he's Steve Jobs. And he's more like Bill Gates. And he doesn't get it. And he doesn't want to get it. He doesn't want to take the time to figure out what Congress wants to hear. He doesn't want to play the game. Um, I'm just going to tell you, it's hilarious. And it is so dead on arrival. But billions are going to be spent on it. Um, so Facebook shutting down its decade old facial recognition software. That's a big story in my opinion. Facial recognition has suffered some major setbacks. Last year, Amazon, Microsoft, and IBM announced they would stop selling facial recognition software to police departments. And um, scrutiny. A lot of scrutiny on the technology and people, you know, don't feel comfortable with the public sector use of biometric data like face scans. Zillow flipped out yesterday. They're getting out of the home flipping business. It was a flop for them. The CEO actually said on the conference call, I'm afraid for the future of our company. I thought we were going to get shut down if we stayed in this business. So, you know, those, you see those late night commercials flip this house and things like that. They tried and they got in over their head. You need to be careful as well. Um, they thought they could figure out what the market wanted with fancy algorithms. And 66% of the homes that they bought are now listed below their purchase price. Uh, and they're getting totally out of the business and shutting down about 25% of their staff. That's pretty dramatic. Um, analysts are like, what do you mean you're getting out of the business? When it worked, it worked very well. And I was intrigued by the company, but I never bought the company. <clears throat> um... What are the other big stories of note? Shibu Inu won't overtake Dogecoin in the long term. Three market experts talked about the red-hot crypto and how it could take a hit in the coming weeks after record-breaking gains in October. Ethereum, also known as Ether, hit a record high yesterday. Of all the altcoins and digital currencies, that's the platform that I like the most. It's the one that I understand the most. It's the one that's more of a network 
that others can operate on. And this is just contractual relationships that I like. Um, if you think of it as digital rights management for artists and authors, I love it. If you start thinking about it as tickets, I love it. It's taper reveal day. Wouldn't it be great if uh, Jerome Powell comes out dressed in like lingerie and he's like, I've got something to show you, stock market. See this $120 billion a month punch bowl? Look over there, it's Elvis. And he takes it away from us. And he runs out of the room giggling like a schoolgirl. Could happen. Uh, Novo Nordisk, Qualcomm, CVS Health all reported. Uh, CVS Health, a strong quarter. We'll talk more about this in uh, detail as the show goes on. Goldman Sachs said Ether could surge 80% to 8000 in the next two months. Fueling the forecast in it is an expectation that the price of Ether will continue to track inflation expectations, which have recently jumped. Very interesting times. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. There's a famous investor named Mark Mobius. He sounds like a billionaire evil character in a James Bond movie. He's not. But he was on CNBC and he said cryptocurrencies are more like a religion than investments. Mobius also said the main problem for Wall Street is the potential for higher interest rates. He said that stocks are the answer at the end of the day, not crypto. Um, he's skeptical of Bitcoin and Ether trading at all-time highs. It's not an investment. It's a religion. People should look at cryptocurrencies as a means to invest. Should not look at, should not look at, should not look at is what he said. It's a means to speculate and have fun, but then you have to go back to stocks at the end of the day. He's not alone in slamming crypto. JP Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon has also vocalized and criticized uh, Bitcoin, most recently calling it worthless and fool's gold. Stocks definitely are the better answer because the devaluation of currency is not going to go away, which means inflation is going to continue at a high rate going forward. Don't forget the U.S. money supply has gone up over 30%. So there's a lot of smart people out there who don't trust crypto. I'm in between. I don't want it to be a big part of your portfolio because a small part can grow into a nice part. Um, and so far, the only one that looks right to me that makes the most sense is Ethereum. Um, please be careful. There was some fool that lost millions of dollars once he signed up for Coinbase, someone, some hacker figured out he was on Coinbase and assumed I bet he was going to buy crypto. And the next thing you know, the guy gets an email saying, hey, your new Coinbase account has been hacked. Hit this button to reset your password. And next thing you know, the guy has, has had his account cleaned. A simple hack, but an effective hack nonetheless. So let's talk about college costs in America. This is one area that has me concerned on the long-term success or failure of the United States. And let me tell you why, because I have children. And when I compare myself to my children, I don't think the path is going to be as easy for them as it was for me. Now, I worked a lot of hours. I worked all of my 20s. I went to, I did nothing entertaining. I splurged on big entertainment or I did nothing like on a regular basis, you know? 
it was 14 hour day, 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 14 hour day. So I got a college degree. Um, I'm glad that I did. Took me five years to get a four year degree because I kind of liked the vacation during college. Uh, so I'd go to Europe for three months and come back and the semester had already started. Whoops. Professor didn't like that. I dropped the class. So looking at today versus 40 years ago, let's just say I was in college 40 years ago. That's not quite right. It's more like 30-ish, 34, somewhere in there. Typical college costs, tuition and fees, room and board, allowances for books and supplies, transportation, personal expenses, typically now range between $27,330 for state tuition. Um, to $55,800 for private college students, nonprofits. The pandemic probably has slowed that a bit. But in my opinion, young people need a degree more so than ever. And that's problematic because college costs have increased by 169% over the past four decades, while earnings for workers between the ages of 22 and 27, just out of college, have grown by just 19%. There is a direct correlation there. And if you plot data points, this doesn't look good. The median earnings, the median earnings for young adults with a college degree hovers near $45,000. Without a college degree, it's closer to $30,000. Our fragmented system of education and workforce development is very problematic. And even if I send my kids to college and even if they get advanced degrees, I don't see them caring enough about pursuing big dollars. I don't see the job market for big dollars. Yeah, you can definitely be a computer technician and earn well over 100000 But the number of jobs that have that science, technology, um, math feel to them, um, we're outsourcing more and more. We're turning things into kiosks more and more. Computers are get, getting better at fixing themselves. When you track student test scores in kindergarten, you find that children from families in the top quartile of family socioeconomic status who have the low test scores have a 71% chance of being in the top half of socioeconomic status in their late 20s. But if you look at test scores of poor children, you find that they fall massively behind their affluent peers. Poor kindergartners with good scores are less likely to graduate from high school, graduate from college, or earn a high wage than the affluent peers. So if you come from a family with money, you have a better chance of getting into a better lifestyle. We haven't connected all the dots from K through 12, but we see poor children in kindergarten, wealthy children in kindergarten, and you can see where it goes. The wealthy kids do better in life. And college costs are up 169% in the last four decades. Wages for uh, first-time workers, 22 to 27 years old, up 19%. Um, that causes me alarm. And it makes me want to save more money and invest more money for my children so that they can do what they love. My philosophy on this world is you only live once. And um, try to be happy. So this year, I'm 16.2% happier than last year. Just letting you know, I'm doing good. I know you're saying, that's just a post-pandemic bounce. Nope, it's more pie. 
CVS beats on earnings. They got a lift from COVID vaccines and prescription volumes. I walked by a CVS yesterday and said, free flu shot, free COVID shot. Come on in and buy soda and cigarettes. Well, they don't sell cigarettes, but you get the idea. The company administered 8.5 million COVID tests and 11.6 million shots during the three-month period. Um, COVID's been good for business. And I get why Americans are jaded because of what I'm talking about, the low education versus the high education. The higher education you have, the more chance you're to get the vaccine. The lower the education you have, the less chance. And I get why people are like, oh, it's, this is just CVS trying to make money. <laughs> okay. That's Rob's story of the day. Hertz announced a 37 million share offering by stockholders. Uh, Hertz has been in the news lately. Um, obviously with a Tesla deal or no deal. Obviously with coming out of bankruptcy and trying to compete with um, Lyft and Uber, which is interesting because Lyft and Uber are having problems getting drivers back. So if Hertz is going to have a time to get me on my vacation to get a rental car versus just saying let's Uber from the hotel, this is their time to, to – this is they, – they don't have an all clear, but the airspace looks good right now. NBA star Kevin Durant backs a $200 million SPAC. SPACs are problematic. Um, you're not valuing a company as well as you do through an IPO process. And a lot of SPACs are massively outperforming. Blank check companies tend to underperform, but they get the headlines. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Sometimes we dip into insurance. Usually it's tied towards investing in the economy and getting into retirement. And I add in the flavors of cost of college, insurance, taxes, anything financial that we can come up with. Um, joining me now from briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. He joins me every Wednesday at this time. It's my favorite segment of the week, Mr. O'Hare. This is a good week to talk. We have the Fed meeting today. We have OPEC plus tomorrow, and then we have the jobs report on Friday. I can't imagine more exciting news, <laughs> and most people out there are like cringing, like that doesn't sound fun. Right, and then uh, and then of course all the earnings reports we uh, continue to get too. So yes. there's definitely a lot to talk about this week. What do you think is going to happen today with the Federal Reserve? Um, they're going to probably taper. Will it be at the full taper? Will it be a part taper? Will it be a planned taper? Will they hint at interest rates? And is the market prepared for this? Well, I think the market is certainly prepared for, for a tapering decision. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the thing with Fed Chair Powell's Federal Reserve is that it, it doesn't like the element of surprise, right? And so... You know, most previews and even suggestions, I believe, from other Fed officials uh, indicate that the Fed's likely to announce a, a, a tapering plan that starts with a reduction in asset purchases of about, uh, not about, but $15 billion per month, $10 billion in treasuries and $5 billion in uh, mortgage-backed securities. And so 
we would expect that that would be the uh, the conventional line that comes out of the Fed in terms of how they're going to start things with the uh, conclusion that they anticipate having the uh, uh, the tapering completed by the middle of next year. Uh, but what is the, the greater sense of intrigue today uh, revolves around what the Fed might be signaling in terms of its views about inflation and how that could potentially impact the market's perspective on when the Fed might actually uh, raise the policy rate and how many times it might raise the policy rate uh, before the end of next year. So after we get through today, probably around 11 Pacific time, we're going to see a big reaction to markets. And then we go in tomorrow's OPEC plus, which um, they're going to get together and will they raise production and or not. But inflation has been a big story in 2021. Um, and I think oil, we're looking right at you. <laughs> like this is, could be their moment to give the market a little bit of a reprieve and, and, and help the federal reserve, so to speak. Um, I've never liked OPEC. I'll be honest, Patrick, I feel like if <laughs> Intel, was a cartel and said, well, we're only going to make a million semiconductors this year. Like they would control the market and it's, it's wrong. But um, any thoughts on OPEC and the 30 or 40 year relationship that you've had following what they do? Well, I think, you know, what is interesting though is, is what's maybe not happening in the United States in terms of uh, shale production, right? Because when we saw, uh, you know, prices elevated, you saw a lot of the shale producers is basically, you know, pumping to the max. And then when everything collapsed, uh, it be, you know, was not um, economically viable to keep doing that. And so while there's been some uh, increase in production uh, in, you know, in the Texas shale as, as, uh, uh, um, as prices have come back up, you see a little bit more, you know, seeing stronger uh, discipline, if you will, on the part of those producers. And that's helped keep, you know, prices elevated here. Now, OPEC plus uh, will probably fall back on the defense that it can't be certain that there's not going to be another wave of, of a COVID outbreak this winter, and therefore it's reticent to cut production at, at your, I'm sorry, increase production at this point. So um, the idea or the narrative that OPEC plus is going to abide by its current production goals uh, has been a, you know, supportive factor here for, for oil prices. Uh, which remain elevated above $80 per barrel. Um, and so really, I suppose that, you know, becomes a question of do, do we see another outbreak this winter that then curbs demand in a noticeable way that, you know, brings down prices or, you know, does economic growth slow uh, considerably now that we don't have the, the same impulse from the fiscal stimulus uh, in, in 2022? Those are some other factors. That's another factor that probably is weighing on the mind of OPEC plus in terms of, you know, uh, what end demand is going to look like. So, um, you know, oil prices have had a great run, obviously. Um, and um, and kind of like the Fed, you know, with respect to OPEC Plus, everyone just kind of just has to be in this sort of wait and see position to hear what the commentary is going to be to sort of make the next bet on where prices are likely to go. So your page one column at briefing.com, it's always my favorite time of the day when my email says it's been published. Um, <clears throat> I like your headline, Fed Up. Um, but after we get through the Fed and after we get through OPEC, Friday we get the jobs report. And the jobs report, it really seems to be showing that America's reshaping our, our, our labor force um, through the pandemic, working from home, women getting back into the workforce, the Biden administration trying to get more child care so more women can come back to the workforce. 
Um, how do you feel about our workforce? Because I kind of like that it's changing. It seems like it was kind of, uh, it's been, we've been doing it this way for a hundred years. Restaurant workers make less money. And now that the tables aren't turning, but they're evolving. Um, it's interesting to watch from a distance. Right. And there's, and there's just so many, um, um, out of uncertainties, I think, in terms of, you know, what is actually going on, you know, is the, the lack of uh, a, a stronger comeback in the labor force participation rate? Is it, is it really a, 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 you know, a byproduct of people just, you know, a lot of older workers saying, hey, I'm, I'm flush now with home equity values and stock portfolio values that I can retire early? Uh, is it, you know, because uh, people are so, um, uh, flush with excess savings because of all the fiscal stimulus payments? There's a lot of, things that need to be figured out here in terms of whether we're looking at a structural change or something that's just, you know, uh, cyclical in nature here. And, and I don't have the answer yet. I think only time will tell as, as we continue to move forward here. But, you know, I think the, the one thing that, um, you know, I'll be paying close attention to on Friday, of course, is, is what are we seeing in terms of, of wage in, wage inflation pressures, right? I mean, if we get a Federal Reserve today that kind of comes out and still sounds like, hey, everything's okay, don't worry about inflation, we're not raising interest rates, by the way, for a long, long time, and you get another, you know, big inflation number on the wage front uh, with this employment report, is the is the bond market going to finally, you know, revolt and and send the, the Fed a, a strong signal that it's asleep at the switch? Um, that That's what I'm curious to see if that, that type of thinking unfolds. But, you know, the Fed has, uh, in some respects, been given some benefit of the doubt here because it hasn't really had its feet held to the fire by uh, by the Treasury market all that much. What are you working on? You have a big picture column that comes out on Fridays. It is almost anti or almost 180 from what you do every day with the page one. It's more big picture, obviously, with the title, the big picture uh, versus right. your uh, opening news. Um, what are you working on right now? What do you right. think you're going to be writing about? <laughs> well, I'm afraid to kill your lead, Rob, because I'm actually going to be uh, out this Friday, and so oh. I'm not I'm not going to be publishing anything to the big picture on this particular Friday. But what I have been working on, and and what I would encourage your listeners to uh, to look into if they happen to visit Briefing.com, is you know the past two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, I did update our market uh, view for the push into year end here. Uh, tying it back to the idea that given the persistence of low interest rates, um, if that remains the case, you know, the market should still be in good form here as we move to year end, but there's some spoilers in the mix with respect to the debt ceiling issue that still needs to be addressed um, and uh, and whether inflation pressures or, or COVID comes back home to roost in, in the winter months and, and then forces us to rethink earnings expectations again. So, I would encourage your listeners to, to read that and then uh, had some thoughts last week on what's going on with the flattening yield curve and, and just kind of like how, how lame it is that we kind of think that 50 basis points of tightening before the end of 2022 could potentially, you know, sink the U.S. economy. Um, it's really, you know, not a great situation or great thought to think that that would be the case, but that was the topic of last week's big picture. I've never understood how to properly let the listeners and viewers understand what a flattening rate curve means. Can you sum that up in a way that maybe your children could understand? 
Well, it, it, it's seen oftentimes where you take, you know, shorter dated securities and longer dated. So we have a two-year treasury note yield and a 10-year note yield in this instance. And rates are rising faster in the shorter dated securities. They're more sensitive to changes in the Fed funds rate, whereas longer dated yields are more sensitive to inflation issues. And so when you get a flattening curve with the two-year note yield rising faster than the 10-year note yield, it's seen as a sign of, of, of a potential slowdown in the economy because the Fed will be, you know, raising rates uh, in some respect to help contain those inflation pressures. And uh, and as you raise rates, you, you know, presumably make it uh, less attractive or, or more challenging to, to grow uh, because, you, you know, you have higher interest rates out there. Um, and so, this flattening action is leading some people to think that the Fed could potentially make a policy mistake because it would raise rates too aggressively to rein in inflation, which is why you're also seeing at the same time long-term interest rates come down uh, noticeably despite the fact that we continue to hear more and more about inflation pressures looking more persistent than what the Fed is saying they've been. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Have a good Friday off of the big picture column. His page one is how I start my day each and every day. The Wednesday interviews is my favorite of the week. I would highlight listening to it twice because the words that come out of his mouth are kind of like Warren Buffett's. They're worth paying attention to. He's more right than wrong, in my opinion, on understanding um, the big picture of the stock market. So, and uh, he's a professional relationship that I've had for a long time, and you can tell that I wildly respect him. Briefing.com is a reliable source of domestic and international news. Great go-to source. Um, if a company like Activision's down, I'll go punch in the ticker symbol and I'll, I'll learn why it's down. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Welcome in. Let's talk metaverse of money and stocks. It's just stock money and stocks, investing, insurance, hints, tips, tricks, whatever. We got it all for you. Stocks are drifting today as we await the Fed. Drifting doesn't mean up or down. I'd call it neutral. I'd say sideways isn't down. If I'm looking for a positive spin, I'd say we hit all-time highs yesterday on the markets. We hit 36,000, a big round number yesterday. On the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Today we get the Fed meeting. Tomorrow we get OPEC. And Friday we get the jobs report OPEC and oil inflation. Friday uh, jobs and wage inflation. Energy inflation is a big concern going into the winter. Quentin Tarantino is going to offer seven uncut scenes from inflation and uncut tokens. I think that's where crypto makes a lot of sense. To the point that Nike has filed several new trademarks this week with its intent to make and sell virtual-based Nike sneakers and apparel. NBA star Kevin Durant backs $200 million SPAC. Who knows what he's going to be buying? Move over Pumpkin Spice. I know you're saying Pumpkin Spice is my favorite Spice Girl. No. Pumpkin Spice was a a Starbucks drink that comes out during the... Month of October, and people get stoked about it. I don't know why. That's the, probably the most overrated thing trend I've seen ever, but get this. The Christmas ones are coming. Starbucks announced a new iced sugar cookie almond milk latte. 
I bring up Starbucks because it's a nice name for the long-term patient investor. I bring up Starbucks because you understand it. I bring up Starbucks because you're like, ah, three bucks for a cup of coffee. Well, it's now five bucks for a cup of coffee. They tend to pass on the cost of inflation to you because they have a strong brand and they're able to do it. But also I bring up Starbucks because through the years we could take a look at their product, whether it be the pumpkin spice, whether it be the red cups and is it Christmas or is it a holiday season? Um, they're a cultural phenomenon. Um, I grew up kind of probably loving McDonald's, right? And the generation after me is like, no, that's just greasy, fatty, salty food. That's horrible. It's processed. And now the generation that's coming up right now is like Starbucks is the better breakfast. Wait, wait, don't you guys make coffee? Yeah, coffee in the morning, breakfast in the morning. Rewards program. They're doing things well. So they're a company about product. Intel's a company about product. Facebook is a company about product. I focus on product probably more than I should. Um, great product, I think, is a good start to a good financial statement. Wineries. Talking about the global shortage worldwide. We've heard about the supply chain. Wineries are getting hit. And this time next year when you're drinking a cup of wine, a cup of wine, a glass of wine, a jug of wine, whatever you drink out of, um, it may not be out of glass. Um, amid fires and drought, pandemic era supply chain woes are taking aim at one of the California's most beloved exports, wine. We have Napa and Sonoma. Wonderful, wonderful. If you live in the Bay Area and you have not gone to wineries, it's a weekend shtick thing to do. I think you're missing out. Maybe a little too hoity-toity for some, but I get it. Shortages have left winemakers with too much wine and not enough bottles. One of the consequences of the bottle shortage is that you have to leave the wine in oak barrels. Unless you're a big wine farmer, then you have more metal storage containers that you can put up, uh, move the wine back into after it's been flavored properly. But the smaller wineries are having a problem getting glass. And if you didn't look ahead and see the problem coming, you're having real problems. Oaky flavored wines are going to be in this year, next year. Switching from glass to cans is a nightmare, logistically speaking. Companies that bottle wine typically don't have the equipment for canning, and there's a huge upfront cost there. Nearly everything needed to make and distribute wine from wood and cardboard to truck drivers in short supply. So that's another way the global supply chain and COVID has been a mess. Another reason to go out and get vaccinated. If you like wine and you're an anti-vaxxer, go get vaccinated. Let the winery stay operating. Let the glass that's being made in China and Peru be made. And that the poor people in those countries don't come to work sick and get everyone else sick and the factory shuts down for weeks and then we don't get our wine. I know you're saying, did you just say, if you don't believe in the science, do it so you can have wine? I did. Consult a broker advisor. <laughs> and before you consult your doctor before you take medical advice from me. College costs have increased by 169% since 1980, but pays up just 19% in that time period. We have a broken labor market. Poor kids in kindergarten, wealthy kids in kindergarten, if you project up 18 years, the wealthy kids have better paying jobs than the poor kids. We have a broken system. That's not even getting into the fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, you know all those high school movies that you see where the student yells at the teacher like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to use algebra in my life. 
I kind of agree with it. We probably don't need to be teaching algebra, but we do need to be teaching how to balance your budget. We do need to be teaching how to get a job interview. We do need to, like, there's things that our country is just ignorant on and our education system is just failing. As a guy who understands finance and money pretty well, I didn't learn any of that in high school. Kids vaccination campaign begins with 28 million eligible. Stocks are slipping today ahead of the Fed decision. I'd say they're, they're, they're just not getting traction. It's better than slipping. The Dow just closed about 36,000. That's a big round number. 22 years later, the Dow rose to a record closing high. 36,000 has been a long time coming. The 1999 book, Dow 36,000, written by James Gassman and economist Kevin Hassett, argued that the Dow was about to go on a run that would take it to the level somewhere between 2002 and 2004. It took 22 years. But in 1999, we were in the go-go 90s. We were in the internet age. We were in the more productivity. We were in, like, this is a whole new industry and to be fair, when you predict the Dow Jones Industrial Average numbers, you don't know what Dow Jones, the media company, is going to put included in it. Like if Apple had been included in the Dow Jones Industrial Average 10 years earlier, it'd be at a Dow 100,000. But they waited too long. Um, same thing with Microsoft. Then you go like, why are companies like Intel still in there or HP? Or the, the way they have to shift companies in and out, they tend to do it too late. Like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, should it have Tesla in it or should it have GM? Well, Tesla's a small part of the auto market, but it's a big market waiting of the auto market. So it's not the best index to, to look at. Um, the all-new electric Porsche Taycan is amazing, but Tesla has nothing to worry about yet. It is a Tesla bear thesis. The all-electric Porsche Taycan is supposed to be one of those cars that can totally disrupt the electric vehicle market and take the torch from Tesla? I don't think so. It's beautiful. $130,000, 93 kilowatt hour battery pace, two electric motors generated 500 plus horsepower, launching the car from zero to 60 in three seconds. Um, the fit of the car, the finish of the car is beautiful. It's a great car. Tesla faces competition, but it's not going to be from the Taycan. Tesla's delivered more than 627,000 cars worldwide in the first three quarters of the year, up 97% year over year. Their valuation's the problem, not their production. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. If you need a referral to a financial planner, let me know at robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.